1: no purchase necessary.
0: Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi everybody, it's Russ from My Hammers Eleven. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification so you're notified of any time we put new content on. We have um videos going up daily. Sometimes you lucky buggers, you get two a day as well. Um and we've got loads of good guests coming up, including today's guest. Um, broadcaster, there's a long list. Broadcaster, journalist, author podcaster it's sam delaney hi sam how are you
1: i'm very well thanks for having me i'm delighted to be here chatting to you
0: yeah no i should have put finally and hammer obviously and
1: above everything else exactly.
0: yeah. exactly so how are you how are you coping how's that as, as the first thing everyone says nowadays
1: yeah well i'm i'm coping very well i'm wearing shorts every day and t-shirt and a, Shave sporadically, yep. and I'm in my in my Adidas slides every day. I mean, the slob kind of lockdown lifestyle is all is all for me. I mean, yeah, me I, if I if I get, I suppose at the beginning you had a bit of anxiety about the situation. Now the anxiety I feel is about lockdown being lifted, me too, yeah, able me too. To Get back to a, a normal, civilized, structured lifestyle. I find that really terrifying because it's yeah. been a long time, and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, That's I'm awful say. to say. I know it's been hell for people, and I'm lucky that myself and most of my family have all kept in good health, mm-hmm. right? So I, I understand that I'm lucky, but you know, I've, I've enjoyed
0: myself. Yeah, no, uh, me too. I'm not caught you know up I, on a
1: load of admin.
0: Exactly. What <laughs> I like is I like not having a pressure when it comes to weekends. Yes, so it's like, yeah. you know, with my wife and my daughter, oh, you know, before, I, oh, what should we do this weekend? Let's go to Lakeside. Let's, there it is, let's go to London. Yeah, it's yeah, like, no, yeah. you can do fuck all. We sorry? We can just, Yeah, we just yeah I
1: think I'm going to sit around on my ass. I'm going to
0: sit around and I put, might put the pool
1: out. Do strange things. Like, I'll like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to watch the whole uh, official FIFA film of the 1998 World Cup. <laughs> I'll do something. Like, I've been watching loads of stuff like that, just ticking stuff off the list. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I watched A View to a Kill on Saturday in the middle of the day with my son. You've well, never seen there. it before, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, this is not the sort of thing that you usually find the time to do, watching no. A View to a Kill. But no, I'm exactly. glad I did it.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And it's nice to like, you know, sort of educate the younger generation on some of the stuff Very that much. you, it's having time. And it's like, you know, my daughter, I'm, I've got her into the Back to the Future movies. It's like, you know, it's oh, like yeah. she's like eight. And so it's like, you know, this was like, when I was your age, this was like, Epic, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh,
1: okay, but yeah, it makes you really angry if they don't love it as much as you do, doesn't it? I become curious, like, my kids aren't that into Bat's Future or Indiana Jones, and I'm like, who are you? (laughs) Like,
0: are you sure you're what is the matter with
1: you? Were you born without a soul?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing, and actually, in a weird way, the weird sort of segue way, so to speak, um, this sort of whole project I've been running is sort of my because I'm learning a lot more of the history that I wasn't involved in. So obviously with West yeah. Ham, obviously I, I know from two, th- like, you know, I start mid nine, early nineties is when I first mm. went. And you know, that's, that, that's my reference point. But talking to people and, and players and, and, and older fans, we have on the channel as well. You're learning a lot more about players that you never really knew much about. You obviously know the, you know, the, mm. you know, the, what's the word, you know, the sort of legends and the stories, mm. but, that sort of one-to-one interaction and um, little sort of, Oh yeah, well I met him and he was at my school and he did this and he yeah, had a, yeah, a soccer yeah. school and I went and took a, you know, that's lovely. It's really, really nice. And that's what we're doing with this channel. So he's is interviewing loads of different people, all different ages, all West Ham anything that connects everyone. Yeah. Whether they're well known or, or you know, or someone that emailed me the other day, I'm a nobody. Can I come on the channel? You're not a nobody. No, yeah. no one probably knows You're West you. You're West Ham. That's all. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened. My
1: kids said something really interesting to me the other day. Well, it was, I mean, it was interesting to me. It probably will be to you, but I was driving along with them, and my daughter's 12. She's been coming to West Ham since she was about four or something. Yeah. And my son, who is mega, mega into West Ham, in fact, I don't think he's taken off his West Ham dressing gown for the whole of lockdown. My my missus has to my missus has to he goes to sleep in it too. And she has to sneak it off him while he's asleep to get it washed and dried. Because he's he's so addicted to it. Anyway, they said they were talking about other clubs. I think they were talking about my my elder brother is a Spurs fan, unfortunately, and, it, and they were talking they said the other day, yeah, but I mean Spurs it's not the same, is it, as being a West Ham fan. I mean, being a West Ham fan is like it's a whole, you're part of a big family. And I said, do you think so? And they said, well, if you see another West Ham fan in the street, you're yeah. so excited. And you always say, cause I've always done this since I was a kid and It used to embarrass them. And you always say, come on you irons when you yeah. walk past them. And they always smile and look really happy and say it back. And I said, yeah, exactly. It's a thrill. It's a great thing. And she went, I don't think fans of other clubs do that. And no. I said, no, they don't. I mean, they might do. I they don't might know, do, but. but we don't care. <laughs> I still it's think we would say, "Yeah, it's so
0: true." And um, I've, I've got this newfound respect for the foreign-based fans as well, because obviously a lot of my friends I know who are foreign-based Hammers, so to speak, they mm. were born in Essex and London, and they moved out. Mm. Where well, I'm talking to guys like the Scandinavian Hammers, and you know, there's no real reference point why they should support West Ham, like geographically. But like Yemen Holt is like an absolute fanatic, and yes, yeah. and I moan getting a rail replacement bus from Gidea Park you know, or or having to drive to Newby Park to get to Stratford. He gets on a fucking flight to Oslo. And, you know, honestly, it's absolutely, my appreciation of the fan base has just like grown massively into this sort of community. And that's how this is spawned. You know, yeah you know you can i you know i might i might chat to phil phil so i'll get sam on and da, 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 you know and it's just snowballed. i know i'm already
1: i'm already thinking of a list of names to give you once this Sam's is done mate so brace like, yourself
0: and I, I love it love it love it love mm. it <laughs> basically i want to hit 500 eventually it's gonna take a few years but great wow well, yeah because that matches a survey that the club did back in 2003 um asking about fans dream 11 but i've changed the criteria slightly Mm. to make it more Mm. inclusive of people. For you, Sam, what was your what was your because I was West Ham fan, you know, fanatic, what was your earliest West Ham memory? Uh
1: well I've got very I've got I do have very vague memories of the 1980 cup final when I would have only been five but we in those days everyone used to go to my grandma's house to watch the cup final in the days when cup final was like Christmas Day and you know the families got together. And I remember being at my, fam- at my grandma's house and a lot of my uncles there would have been Spurs fans. There weren't any West Ham fans in my family other than my older brother. And I don't, to be honest, I've got, I've got three brothers, they're all older than me, and they all support different clubs, and the middle one supports West Ham, and he had a big influence on me uh, supporting them. But really, it was my best mate where I grew up was a West Ham fan, and his dad, was a big West Ham fan, used to take us, and that's what really got me hooked. Yeah. And around that time, when I was li- living a r- r- few doors down from this this kid, Alex Jones, who was my best mate, and him and his dad had really, my dad, I didn't live with my dad, so I didn't have a dad at home telling me yeah. to support, but I spent yeah. a lot of time with this, with this other family, and they got me into the idea of West Ham. And then in the middle of it, West Ham winning the cup final, and I'm sort of cheering them on, and I've got uncles and people all taking the mickey out of me doing all that. Where's that?
0: What's that? What is what
1: West for? And all that, like, I don't, you know, I suppose they thought it was a joke or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's a bit of it. But my, But then I also have a, that's, that's very vague. A more vivid memory was when I was about, I suppose I would have been about eight. And I remember hearing on the radio, Tony Cotty scoring a goal against Tottenham on his debut. And I remember just being captivated by, the idea of this kid, because it was so like reading Roy the Rovers, the idea of that kid—I yeah. think he was only seventeen—and yeah. the idea of a kid coming out of the youth team and scoring on his debut against your big rivals, yeah. um, I kind of got that, and it sort of played to the to the narratives of football that I'd picked up from reading things like Roy the Rovers. That we yeah, had this yeah. kid who had, it was, you know, it's this blonde-haired kid. He kind of looked sort of yeah, quite yeah, yeah. like a comic book hero. And I remember hearing that on the radio and my brother, my West Ham fan brother, Don, would have had it on the radio and had explained it to me and was going mad that we'd won. And that's a real vivid sort of memory of the kind of whole romance and excitement of of loving a football club really kind of hitting me then.
0: Sure yeah i mean that's not not a bad one to have is it yeah <laughs> and that's what's lovely about it, is because you're hearing some people like it's it's those it's those memories not necessarily oh my first game was against no it's yeah. not that it's it's that and that's what hooked you on that that's, that's lovely
1: yeah like stories often a story around the club isn't yeah. it that, get, that gets you into it and that was one of the things that really hooked me in deep yeah
0: yeah that's brilliant and and since say since sort of like the early 80s onwards there's you know 30 40 years uh something like that now mm-hmm. what what sort of obviously you have many, many troughs and a few peaks. What would you say would be sort of your fondest memories since then? You know, sort of like Well,
1: in the obviously the famous 85, 86 season yeah. was when I had a group of mates and we were all actually from West London. But at my primary school in West London, there was a little gang about most people in those days. I was there was a lot of people who supported Spurs because yep even though it was West London, it was the era that Spurs had Glenn Hoddle and had been to the cup final a couple of times and stuff like that. And other than that, there was a lot of Liverpool and Everton in that era. But there was a small group of us who supported West Ham and I, I still can't really work out why. I think it was this this kid, Alex Jones, his dad was from the East and was from Bethnal Green. And he was massive into them and he was an impressive bloke. He was a sort of dad. We lived on this estate in Brentford, in West London. and he was sort of like an alpha male figure, right? He was a local. So you looked up to him, he drove a sports car. He was quite tough looking. He was just, and he had a big personality and you liked just being near him, right? And his son happened to be my best mate. And the fact that he encouraged you to sport West Ham and would take us over to West Ham would just like captivate your imagination. Then we had these other mates around us um and all of their dads actually would take us you know if it was someone's birthday would make the effort to take the group of us the four oh, of wow. us over to upton park and that those were my first experience being taken on like friends birthdays by their dads and all the dads got into it and i just think it was amazing actually i look back and i think those dads only one of them was actually a real yeah. West Ham fan one yeah, of them was yeah, a yeah. glaswegian glasgow rangers fan but because his son William, who was another one of our mates, got so into West Ham, yeah. he started taking us, and he embraced West Ham. So we all, so there was this, there was a little group of us, and because it was so, seemed so incongruous that we were at school in West London in the eighties, and we supported West Ham, made us more of a gang, and yeah. it bonded us more. And we all went on secondary school together, where it got even more intense, and we went to a school that was full of Chelsea fans, right. And we're even more of a gang then because it makes you even more defiant and yeah. determined, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. we all used to, we all used to go together. We used to like, you know, once we were at secondary school, we'd be finishing school on a Wednesday and jump in on a tube for about thirty stops on the District Line Yeah, yeah, way yeah, yeah. in our school uniform to go and watch West Ham when we were like thirteen. Yeah, on a on a Wednesday night, yeah. and it's a real bonding experience, you know.
0: It is, yeah. It's a long old trail. I mean, I used to work in Ealing, so uh, yeah. I, if right, I had yeah. to, if I had to do an evening game. Um, obviously, I live in Essex, so I was literally one side mm. of the centre. So, yeah, I know that that district line for me in Broadway. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Part of the nightmare. Yeah, but, yeah it's, no, it's not just... easy.
1: You need commitment.
0: You need, you need commitment. And a we always place. used
1: to say, "There's a, on the way home, when you got older and you'd been in like the Duke of Edinburgh or the Queen's before getting on the Tube and you'd had a fair few pints of lager, we'd always say it was Tower Hill was the point at which you could bear it no longer, right? it was." <laughs> It was called that it was called like the tower hill danger zone or something because that was where people would always think that's it i'm done i'm getting off <laughs> i'm getting off i'm going for a slash you know
0: <laughs> oh i love it it's so true it's so true right that's great right sam obviously said so what we're doing as well is we're, we're talking about your hammers eleven. so as a, yeah. all different people are giving their 11s and and it could be I mean, we try and keep it to a four-four-two. The only real caveat is you have to be alive to have seen him play. So obviously, you and yeah. me, we couldn't put Bobby yeah. Moore in, but we could put yeah. in Javier Margas spoiler <laughs> oh, how did case. you guess oh, first damn. name on my first list name yeah the team sheet have it, the, the 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 claret head died javier marquez <laughs> um but obviously it's your 11th you can talk about whoever the hell you want to talk about mm-hmm. you might want to talk about your best mm-hmm. players or your favorite players or the shittiest mm-hmm. players it really doesn't matter and that's what's really nice mm-hmm. someone's made an impression on you and obviously you know yeah the whole thing around tony cotti and stuff that made an impression on you so there would be players who've who yeah. done the same with you so in terms of your team sam who would go between the sticks the
1: sam 11 well it's got to be ludo for me i yeah. mean you know it would have been a toss-up between him and phil parts phil parts was a big hero I, I played in goal a lot when i was a kid sure and i loved and i and i loved it and i obsessed over goalkeepers and phil parts when i was a kid was like a real hero but then the reason ludo wins out is during the era in which i started going all the time like you know at the season ticket and was there with my mates all the time um he came into the team and you know he, he was just such a massive cult hero he was an incredible goalkeeper yeah um parks towards the end of me seeing him towards the end of his career was very often injured and sometimes that meant he didn't play or sometimes mean he did play but was not the keeper he'd once mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. ludo at his greatest a bizarre a signing by lou makari who you know comes in for a lot of stick but i think he signed some some players who kind yeah. of went on to become legends for year so in his very brief stint in charge he made a huge impact on the club and one of the biggest things he did was sign this unknown giant czech keeper um who i just loved and obviously there's key performances i remember being at like the famous manchester united game the last day of the season but really ludo had been playing like that from day one i mean he was he was absolutely sensational bloke yeah. Um, and I love him and he kind of was seemed to be there for so long as well. I think he must've joined maybe 1990 and then, you know, did most of that decade, didn't he? Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, it's gotta be
0: Ludo. Yeah sure and, and a lovely guy as well off the pitch by the mm. sounds by you know the stories that have been coming through already Loopy yeah. Ludo as my grand used to call him we'll put him in <laughs> Um <laughs> there's only three players he my my or himself, we'd always talk about Loopy Ludo he always called him Loopy Ludo just because he was like a different keeper to probably Phil Park you know he was he was quite <laughs> athletic wasn't he Ludo he was quite yeah. you know um, where Phil yeah, Park because Park's part. looked like a big monster yeah he did Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. he was like,
1: part of the trend in the 70s and yes. early 80s of footballers who looked like monsters from comic books. There was loads of them. John Walk's a classic yeah, of the same yeah, genre. Yeah, yeah. Steve Agridjevich. Bill <laughs> Parts looked like a big monster who'd come out of the woods. Right. Um, so powerful and fierce, but not like Nimba. I mean, you see, keepers nowadays, they're yeah, they're a disgrace by comparison. They get yeah. slips, slips of a like, callow youths between the sticks, <laughs> don't you? Spelts. Not like your parkies No, but, no. Uh, I you, mean, Glasgow's the perfect like uh, in between.
0: Yeah, he wasn't hybrid. quite a
1: big lumbering unit like no. your Phil Parkes of this world, but he's not like you know Dahia, who's yeah, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't a, get knocked a off a ball. Lad.
0: No, exactly. No. He wouldn't get knocked off a ball for a challenge. But yeah, we'll put Ludo in. Lovely shouts. Uh, let's go. Let's go left back, Sam. Who we got left back?
1: Wow. Well, I mean, I'd be surprised if anyone's gone, or very many people have gone for anyone other than Julian Dix. I have to go for him. I was tempted by George Paris yeah. because George Paris was, you know, uh, I think a very underrated player. People yes. often sort of suggested he was like a bit of a weak link in that '86 team. But I've been, as everyone has been, I've been watching a lot of old games back on Facebook, thanks to um,
0: Banks, yeah. our fellow
1: Hammer, Rob <laughs> Indeed. Banks. Right? And I keep thinking, bloody hell, Josh Parrish was some player, right? Yeah. Plus he was a great guy. Plus there was a great chant about him. I bumped into him once on a train on the way to Brighton and just went over and bothered him. I was a student <laughs> at the time. I just bothered him for a whole train journey and he was very good about it. So I've always felt... But I cannot not say June Dix June is my all-time favourite West Ham player simply because I've never seen a player who cared even more than the fans. You know, people say... Oh, I love. I love a player. I love a player who looks like he cares as much as the fans. I used to look at him and think, Jesus Christ, that bloke cares more than I do. Yeah. He's <laughs> a. But yeah, what a player and what a what a gifted player as well. Think, Aside yeah. from all the madness and the aggression and the strength and the leadership, a, a really gifted footballer, massively underrated. Should have yeah. played several times England. I, I personally think he's every bit as good as Stuart Pearce, if not better. Um, but you know. Yeah. Obviously, his face didn't fit. But I absolutely love Julian Dix. I mean, I I can remember all the goals, the penalties that looked like... They always looked like, had the net not been there, the ball would have carried on and on forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Because they were just... The very definition of that commentator phrase, rising all the time. Yeah. They were unstoppable. Unstoppable penalties, right? There was no point to keep even standing there. Um, But in terms of the mad stuff, my favourite memory and one of my favourite ever games uh, that I I remember was I think in '91 was it or maybe it was earlier I don't know but it was Wimbledon in the Cup it's quite a famous sure. midweek Cup game yeah. I think it was a maybe a quarter final against Wimbledon the crazy gang extremely fiery tempered lots of aggro all the way through um, uh, I think like Dennis well, no Eric Young absolutely polaxes young Stuart Slater. There's a big fight, all the players get involved, 22-man brawl. I was standing on the North Bank in my school uniform Wednesday night. (laughs) The atmosphere was brilliant. I I remember saying to my mate, this is, it was around the rave era. And I was going, this is just, this has got to be better than any rave you could go to. This is. I remember saying like, this has got to be better than being on ecstasy, right? (laughs) Because it was, it it just felt so mad. It just felt so mad and electric, right? and um so everyone's going mad and surging forward and doing all that shouting west ham aggro that they used to when the players fought and then the game restarted and i knew julian was not going to leave it there and you know anyone will remember this moment if they were there it's like the game restarts the ball falls to dennis wise who of course had been right in the middle of all of this aggro winding everyone up and as soon as wise receives the ball Dix just runs from miles away and goes straight through him. I think he knocked him clean off the pitch. And then, uh, my memory is he just he just got up and walked off. He didn't wait <laughs> to see the red. He just said, you yeah, know, it was all a case of bye. See you later, <laughs> lads. And as it happens, we won the game anyway. Martin Allen scored a late winner. And so it was uh, one of my greatest memories, yeah. thanks in part to Julian Dixie's insanity.
0: Yes, exactly, and I mean that's the thing about Dixie. I mean, you know, particularly his second spell, he, he looked less like a football player, didn't he? You know, he walked here, he had a shaving and he ripped a his, sh- the pub. his yeah, yeah. he used to rip his shirt open. I love that when he like the, when he had the hoop. Yeah, he had, he had these um, socks around his ankles, wouldn't he? And uh, but he was just like, yeah, he was a brilliant player. I said mm. there's there's you know I've, I've, when I've talked about Julian on the channel before, you know, there's not many defenders, let alone fullbacks, who have that impact on a game in a crowd. I can't think of any, you know, just because he, as you said, you said, you know, a thumping tackle or one of his penalties, he was just galvanised the crowd. But
1: sometimes he would just take a game by the scruff of the net in the way that people used to see Steven Gerrard doing it for Liverpool or Brian Robson would sometimes do it for United, Mm. where even if the rest of the team were playing badly, They'd just be like, "I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do this on my own, right? Yeah. I'm gonna get the ball, I'm gonna win the ball, I'm gonna drive the whole team forward, I'm gonna score the goal and do all the tackling, I'm gonna do the lot." Yeah. And there's not many players do that. And when they do do it, it is almost always someone in that central midfield leader role, exactly. like a Brian Robson or a Stephen yeah. Gerrard. But I saw Julian Dix do that in, let's be honest, pretty poor West Ham teams, mm. numerous times, too many times to count. He couldn't do it every game. Who could? But there were so many games during that era, during the 90s, where Dixie would just pick up the ball when we were playing lacklustre. He'd just pick up the ball from a left-back position and drive all the way forward, very often scoring or creating a goal solo from left-back. I don't think there's anyone like that.
0: No, no, I can't think of anyone for sure. Right, Julian's nailed in. Okay, let's go with right-back, Sam. Who should we have on the other side?
1: Right back, I'll say Tim Breaker, because yeah. I think if I look back over the years, he's he's never like a huge kind of, he's not the sexiest of players, no. so to speak. People aren't going to go and talk about him like they do about Julian Dix, and there aren't perhaps as many moments. And I and I think he perhaps, I didn't appreciate him as much at the time, but exactly. I think right back's always been in a tricky position for West Ham, yes. almost ever since those days. I can't think of many who, yeah, there's been some decent ones, Sabaleta was good, Repka was good, you know, but there was never, he, he filled that position for so long. And again, looking back over the, the Rob Banks archive, mm-hmm, the yeah. amount of like goals he created, you know, the, the, the amount he attacked was fantastic. And, and during that era, when we had um, uh, Dix on, on, one, uh, on one flank and Breaker on the other, it was good old fashioned 4-4-2 with the full backs creating as many chances as, yes. as wingers or midfielders. And exactly. so I liked him and I also remember being really excited when we signed him because I was, you know, I was fairly young and you know, a lot of your knowledge of other players at other clubs came from your Panini sticker album. And Tim Breaker seemed like an unusual name for a footballer, right? Mm. And I'd always noticed him, I must have just had a load yeah. of spares of Tim Breaker, he must have been <laughs> one of those ones that you always had a double of. Yeah, so yeah. I had this player from Luton Town called Tim Breaker with blonde curly hair and a strange name and I, And then I see on teletext where I signed Tim Breaker, it blew my mind. Yeah, you know because he was a he was was a Panini sticker book hero, and then we bought him, and he turned out to be good. So I've got to go with him.
0: Yeah, that's great show. And I'm the same with you. I didn't have a I I've I've had a newfound respect for Tim Breaker since watching Rob's <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, again, it was like a name you would always see, but you wouldn't be associated. Yeah. But yeah, he came here here to and you know, uh we interviewed uh um... he felt he used to make
1: thundering runs forward. Yeah, really exactly. good thundering runs I was forward. Talking and we'd we've liked to write back like
0: that. Oh yeah, we have for a long time. And we, I was talking to Kenny yeah. Brown and and he had Breaker on his team and yeah he said that exact reason he was like the ultimate like professional he was like right. so like you know and i was like really but then i went back and looked at it i thought yeah you know and i'll give him a shout. Give well, him a well, like, kenny
1: brown was fine for the same position really he was. wasn't yeah, he? Exactly. Because he played right yeah. back
0: as well yeah yeah and that's what he said he was like i wasn't going to get in over it when tim was playing yeah. to be honest right okay we'll put a break you on the other on the right back let's go centre backs then sam who's your first centre back
1: well alvin's got to be one Um, because obviously he was the the captain for so long when I Mm -hmm. first got very heavily into the team uh, that 85-86 season he was our leader he played he was the only West Ham player at the time who played for England regularly which again as a kid I was so excited it made such it made such a big deal to you at the time if if one of your lads got picked for England now I think most of us are gutted if Declan gets picked for England because part of us are just worried because of the Dean Ashton experience you know bloody hell they'll go and get injured no one likes England anymore, but when I was a kid, seeing Alvin Martin play in the 1986 World Cup Finals in Mexico, uh, 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 among all those legends like, you know, Lineker and Waddle and Hoddle and Robson, it was so it was so thrilling. And he was a brilliant player, brilliant leader. To be honest, I think West Ham, again, have lacked anyone in the, in the mould of Alvin Martin ever since then, that the really accomplished, reliable, We've had some good centre-backs, but the, the way in which he was just like always there, always our leader, always jumps forward. And then since then, I've, I've been so lucky to have met him and worked with him at Talk Sport and, you know, got to know him quite well. And he's like genuinely one of the nicest blokes, football or otherwise, I've ever worked with. And everyone says that he's worked with Alvin. And so, you know, the man is a legend and he's definitely first choice centre-back.
0: And he's like, and, and I, it's, a, it's a, a phrase I've coined, is an adopted Cockney. You know, he's like, yeah. you know, from Liverpool. He was like, but he just got it and, you know, still lives around the area. And, you know, he's, yeah, and he's just brilliant.
1: Yeah, it, him, it, Mark Ward's similar. Um, yeah. Both Scouse lads who are totally passionate about West Ham. Yeah. They are claret and blue through and through. It's not a phony kind of, oh, yeah, you know, no, I'll yeah, always have yeah, an affection yeah. for them because I play for them. But they're West Ham.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're hundreds percent West Ham. They're as much West Ham as anyone. And it's yeah. incredible to see that, the infectiousness of it.
0: No, exactly. It's a good shout. And who's, who's out got who's a partner in the middle then, Sam?
1: Well, it was a tough one again, but I'm going to go for Steve Potts, another legendary captain. Uh, one of the most underrated players yes. of that era in British football, in my opinion. Um, I thought that he was just an incredible defender. I, he, he reminded me of great sort of, he actually reminded me quite a lot of great sort of Italian defenders or continental defenders like your Franco mm. in that he was not, he was not big. He was not a monster, <laughs> right? He was not big, but you know, you look at Beresi who was rated in the same era as the best defender in the world in that mm. generation. And he was small and mobile and sort of relentless and scrappy and then decent on the ball as well. Yeah. And that was Steve Potts. I mean, I just thought Steve Potts was such an understated individual uh, that he was never made big headlines for us, even though he was he was quietly our captain for a long yeah. time. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he pretty much succeeded Alvin when Alvin started to be injured quite a lot. And I just thought he was amazing. And I think he I think he qualified to play for for the USA. Yeah, but I don't know if he got any caps. But not- I'm sure he would have qualified for England too. And my obsession in that time, again, I was very obsessed with West Ham players getting recognition from the England squad. And I was obsessed with why Steve Potts wasn't in the England squad. And you'd say that even now to a fan of any other club and they'd laugh. Steve Potts, it just seems like we've heard of him, he's a generic player. No, Steve Potts was a world-class defender, right? I'd watch him and I'd think, he's the next Bobby Moore. (laughs) I remember Bobby Moore on UK Gold, not saying he's the next me, but heaping him with praise because he was he was that kind of sophisticated defender. Yeah, he didn't need to yeah. be big and brutish. He was like a, um uh, a, what do you call it? He was like, a, well, he was just glue himself to a rival yeah. defender. He was much better at centre-back than right-back. He started yeah. out playing at right-back and I didn't think he was so good in that position. I actually saw him get mullered a couple of times in that position, like by Ginola in particular. But mm-hmm. at centre-back, absolutely great. Absolutely yeah. brilliant, elegant, scrappy. But composed on the ball. I love yeah. Steve Potts.
0: And a lovely haircut.
1: Yeah, great haircut,
0: too. <laughs> it's never never a hair out of place. Right, yeah, put Potts <laughs> in. Great shout, okay. That's your back four done. You've got your goalkeeper. Let's go into midfield. Let's go let's go left back, Sam. Or left wing rather. Who've got a left wing?
1: Left wing, it's got to be Dimitri Payet. Yeah. Dimitri Payet is the, I mean, you could put him really anywhere in a midfield yeah. or, or attack, but I'll go, I'll put him left wing. You know, you got to make special mention of Alan Devonshire, who obviously was a big part of the team when I first was going. Yeah, sure. And, you know, a lot of people say, and the players of that, boys of eight, sixteen, 16 would all say he was like by far the most talented plenty team. Yeah. And he was great. But for me... Dimitri Payet is the most talented and skillful player I've ever seen at West Ham. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a big thing to say, and we'll get on to talking about Canyo and you know and Joe Cole and there's so many skillful players you can talk about. Yeah. But Payet for that one season, for me, he was he was the form player in the world.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, if you if you if you look at his performances, and what I can't get my head around is the fact that First of all, he came to us, he'd had a season at Marseille where mm. he'd got more assists than any other player in Europe, including yep. Messi and Ronaldo, right? So in all honesty, when he signs for us and you hear that stat, you think, there must be a deep flaw in this guy because yeah. all due respect, but it, you know, with those stats, why is he signing for us? And he was oldish, he was 26 or whatever. Mm. And he said, why isn't he at a, a top, top Champions League side? So I thought, there's got to be a catch here. <laughs> And then I also thought, you know, as you do about all foreign players, really, especially those foreign, like, attacking flair players, you look at some of the greats, the likes of Perez and Henri at Arsenal. Yeah. They've taken a year to settle in, right? Yeah, they take, it, they take time. Dimitri Payet, from his first game in the Premier League, was that 1-0 away win at, or was it 1-0? No, it was more than 1-0, wasn't it? But the yeah. away win at Arsenal, yeah. yeah, when Reece Oxford played, right? And he was unreal in that game. People didn't notice because they were talking more about Reese Oxford the next day. But he just, he walked in like he'd been playing, he just walked into the Premier League from, let's be honest, the weaker league, right, the French yep. League. He walked in, looked around and he just started taking a piss from day one. Yep, he didn't think, true. oh, I'll see it, I'll see it. He was taking this from day one, he was having the piss out of world-class players. He was nutmegging people and doing every trick in the book. He was playing like Ronaldinho. Yep. But from the first day to the last day of the season, notwithstanding, an injury, which even that he bounced back from in live record yeah, time. Yeah. I thought this is ridiculous. When we went into the Euros that summer, um, I bought my I bought my kids Paet France Paet shirts with Paet on the back <laughs> because Spurs's um, England squad was basically the Spurs team. Yeah,
0: yeah I couldn't it was. bring
1: myself to get behind them. Right, I was like, England, I'm not bothered. I'm not supporting all these Spurs players. I'm supporting bloody France. And France should have won it as well, yeah. and he scored on their first game. He scored a world class goal. I just thought every time this player gets the ball, he scores a world class goal. How has he got to this age, not being more famous, yeah. right? Then he already then he then he should have been. I still don't understand. And I, and then you know, as I understand it, he went to Marseille and just went back to being what people sort of expected of him, which is one of those sort of players who who has flashes of genius. A
0: Anisman play, yeah, yeah
1: but the rest of the time is a bit of a passenger. Mm. That wasn't what he was like that season for yeah. West Ham. He was a nine out of 10, someone mm. 10 out of 10 every time he played. Yeah. Unbelievable player. He was. I mean, you can tell, I just get excited thinking about the bloke and I know he ended on bad terms. I don't care, no, I don't care about that. He gave me more joy in my early forties, I suppose it was. He, he delivered more joy. I thought that. I thought that level of football enjoy was a thing of the past. It was. It was confined to my childhood and adolescence. Yeah. I'd never feel that way again about watching a West Ham player. But he proved me wrong.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. He was an amazing player. And as you said, there was you know anywhere like 20, 30 yards out, free kick. We're going to score it. Eh? When there was that, I don't remember that, Probably yeah. Ju- maybe Julian, maybe because you know, he'd have, have a shot oh, maybe, but it's like yeah, still, yeah, it's like- maybe Julian, yeah. Or you know, Tony yeah. Gale do a few free kicks, whatever, no, but yeah.
1: With it's quiet, like- you'd think, it's, it's at the least it's gonna be on target. Yeah. Like, at least it's gonna be on target. Now, I mean, we hadn't had a player like that for years either. You always saw players taking free kicks you didn't think were really free kick takers, but they were the ones sort of, well, oh, give it Best a go. We didn't have a specialist. No. I mean, Noble used to take a lot of them, but we, we hadn't had a specialist in, the, in many a year. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I remember that season I saw him score a lot, but I was at Old Trafford behind yes. the goal. Yeah. In the upper tier behind the goal when he scored that incredible free kick from what still feels like when I picture it in my mind like 50 yards out <laughs> I'm sure it's like 30 yeah, yeah. but in my mind it was 50 I mean it just seems so far out you just think there is no way there is no way he's gonna do it. it's a bit like Gaza in that semi final against Arsenal those years ago you think he's not really gonna They've try one there yeah absolutely unbelievable no, and we were surrounded by United fans who were livid it was one of those situations where they'd They'd fucked up the ticketing and there was a group of us all sitting in one, in you know, West Ham yeah, yeah, yeah. all sitting in one sort of supposedly neutral area. And we <laughs> all stood up at one. I mean, even if you'd planned not to, it was one of those games that was so sensational, you lost control over your you own to, yeah. body and yeah. mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad for football players to do that for you. No, yeah, Dimit, mm. yeah, best player I've ever seen. I totally agree with that. Right, let's go to the other wing then, Sam. Let's go to the, the right wing. Who have you got in the right wing?
1: I'm going Trevor Sinclair. I love Trevor Sinclair, um, you know, a special mention to Mark Ward, who's another guy who I've become friends with over the years mm. um, and was brilliant when I was a kid. I loved watching Mark Ward play and he's a top bloke. But if I'm honest about my own, I've based most of this, not not always on an objective, who was the best player, but I think in the spirit of of what you're doing, on your channel, I've tried to talk, think of it in terms of what players had the biggest emotional yeah. impact yeah. on me, and in yeah. terms of the amount of player team games I saw him playing, and the amount of memories that he gave me when I was there at Upton Park in the flesh. Trevor Sinclair during that Harry Redknapp era, in particular, where he often was playing almost like right wing back, yeah, uh, because Harry liked to play three five two, but with wingers rather than backs out wide sort of thing, because that's Harry yeah. and Sinclair was amazing at that job he was absolutely incredible And when we signed him it again it was one of those great nap signings where people thought that he was on the way down in his career because he'd had a great spell at QPR he'd scored that famous overhead kick mm-hmm. for them uh, but by the time we signed him we got him on the cheap they'd been relegated and people said that he was overweight and his ass was too fat. That was the famous thing yeah, that people yeah. would say about Trevor Sinclair and that he'd got a bit slow. And that was why Redknapp stole in and thought, actually, I think that's bollocks. I think yeah. Trevor Sinclair is a brilliant player. He just needs a little bit of a, you know, kick up the arse or whatever. And I, th- I, th- I think, I remember him scoring two goals against Everton, at Upton Park, and I think that was his debut. I
0: think so, yeah.
1: I'll have I think... to go back and double check.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah. But... He scored two, I think it was a two-all draw. And I remember, because I was so excited, because I'd loved him at GPR, so I was so excited we'd signed him. He straight away, again, he hit the ground running. He didn't take time. It was like yeah, just exactly. the transfer alone was enough to sort of almost Lovely. reset him, you know, to his factory settings sort of thing. Yeah. And I remember I sat and I, I had a cup. It was, I, I remember holding a cup of tea and there was a lad who I didn't really know sitting next to me and... He, when the goal went in, I think a corner came in and and Sinclair ran into the box late and headed it in. And the lad next to me punched the air and as he did so, he knocked this boiling hot cup of tea (laughs) at point blank range into my face. And obviously that was a very memorable experience. And I just always think of that moment. When I think of Trevor Sinclair, I think of his debut at the club and a cup of tea exploding all over my face but me kind of cheering through it because I was yeah. so excited. He
0: never, yeah. There he was. An and amazing
1: he... player. And the, yes. other, the other big memory was, again, going to England. When he came on for England um, against Argentina in the 2002 World mm. Cup. And he'd been a very, very late call-up because yeah. I think Danny Murphy had got injured. Oh, and he came out there. And he'd only arrived the day before, so he must have been jet-lagged. And he came on and he played. I remember watching that in a packed pub somewhere in London. And he came on I was going mad. Just, you know, you, you celebrate when a West Ham player comes on, don't you? Especially when yeah. you're in a pub with England fans who support other teams. Yeah. And you kind of want them to know nothing actually matters to you as much as West Ham. Like, I don't care about England. I just want that bloke to play well. And he yeah. played absolutely brilliantly. Another very underrated player who was unlucky to be in his position in the same mirror as David Beckham.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think he then play most of those games at left left wing, didn't he, I think? For yeah, they used with... to
1: play him on the left, which was a, a tricky position for England yeah. at the time. So I guess that's how he, he got a bit of a run in the side during that World Cup. But he, he was good in all those games.
0: Yeah, he was. And, 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 and the second player my granddad would remember, he was blight. Yeah. His, his eyesight was going, despite the fact he drove everywhere yeah. any, any black player for West Ham was Trevor Sinclair, who did something good. Yeah, was like, was oh, like, they're well, always bro, Sinclair. Bro, Bloody Sinclair, Sinclair, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, lovely, lovely shit. Okay, let's go midfield. Sam, who's your first midfielder?
1: Nobes has got to be the first yep. choice. Uh I love Mark Noble. You know, a, a a proper link, I think, to old West Ham. Yes, you know. In as much as you know, he's he's from the area. He's been at the club his whole life. He's a real throwback player. Even looks like I don't know what it is about. I I know. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I can sort of see him in like the nineteen eighty one shirt coming out against Liverpool in the League Cup final or something. He's just like he's always been there. I think he's really gifted. I I always I get a bit sad when over the years people periodically write him off. It seems to be Mm. going on for ages, but then he'll always turn in. Every season there'll be a, a handful of like really breathtaking, yeah, ca- real captain performances. Yes, an amazing all-round player fits into a grand tradition of West Ham midfielders who are all-action. Like, and and we're going to get onto that with my next choice, but <coughs> that the the sort of player who could do the lot. You know, not like the tradition was you'd have a Billy Bonds next to a Trevor Brookin. and that yeah. in the days of four-four-two, all clubs had. Your hard man and your passer, right? Yeah. And like, you know, so Spurs would have, I don't know, they'd have Steve Perryman next to Glenn Hoddle yeah. or what or whatever. But uh West Ham, I think over the years have had really great all action midfielders who do the lot. You know, they'll tackle, they'll run, yeah. they'll 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 scrap, but then also they'll score the odd worldie or they'll yeah. pick out Michelle Platini like passes, you know. <laughs> And, and I, admit, I, I genuinely think Noble at his best was right up there amongst the best of them. So, I mainly I, I love him for emotional reasons, because he's been there through so many different teams, so many different eras, we might yeah. not see another player like Mark Noble ever again. But, um, I also love him because, you know, I think he's a genuinely talented footballer, really talented footballer. I mean, you know, he's the amount of games he's played in the Premier League
0: yeah. you know,
1: outdoes out most players, not yeah. just West Ham players, but yeah. most players.
0: Exactly, and I think, I think with nobs I mean, he yeah, he's part of that dying breed. Unfortunately, that, yeah, not not just the one man clubs, but the the people who who stay around for a long time. You know what I mean? Mm. If You get three years out of a player now, you've done well. Um, yeah, and yeah. like him, you know, I was, it was t- the Tony Gall interview. We were talking about, he was talking about, you know, his testimonial, and I think in his time they he had had. Like eleven testimonials, like years, like literally one after each other. Here yeah. and then Jeff Pike. And yeah.
1: Him. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, no. That the testimonial itself as a concept is yeah, so it rare really now. Exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Noble. Yeah. I can think of Vincent Company had one, Carragher yeah. had one. I
1: mean, will there be a? What will be the next West Ham one? I can't think. Can't think of maybe anyone. Maybe be close. Yeah, Cresswell, yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe? I mean, he's been out. Not no, no way. Ten years yet, but obviously Ginger Pele was like nine. Kind of. Yeah, um yeah yeah but but yeah it doesn't happen very often now. You know let's
1: hope Declan Rice makes it Te- but De- Declan to be Rice. honest I can't see it happening. I, I can't see Declan Rice being that's at West enough, Ham. That's another years. issue.
0: That's another issue when when West when West Ham players play for England or play well yeah. at European you're like shit. You're not yeah. getting injured maybe, like shit. Maybe
1: if, Declan, maybe if um Nobes had got the England recognition that we all think he should have done.
0: Yeah. Maybe
1: he wouldn't have been around. But something tells me he would have been because he is yeah. He's proper West Ham, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, you know.
0: It's true. And I think
1: he, he absolutely loves the club and the chance of us getting another player like that. Like, mm-hmm. even if Declan stays, I'm sure Declan Rice loves West Ham, feels a lot of affection towards <laughs> the fans and everything. And I think he's great. But, you know, at the end of the day, he grew up a Chelsea fan and we got him from Chelsea. Yeah. So he's, he's, there's part of his heart, understandably, is going to belong to them.
0: Yeah.
1: But to have a Martin... Even even Billy Bonds came from Charlton Athletic. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, Martin Noble you know he's 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 there with like trevor brookin and bobby moore as as proper local lads you know
0: yeah no exactly and and i think yeah when he does retire he'll be in on the coaching staff or you know i'd
1: I'd love to see him manager of the club i'd love to i think West Ham more than ever now need things like that we've we've mucked up a lot in the past you know not enough really is said about the way in which we neglected bobby moore Mm. um You know, Trevor Brookin, of course, is a big part of the club, and that's fantastic. But Noble needs to be because now, with the way all of us fans feel about the move to the London Stadium, the change in so much stuff, whether it be the badge, Mm. um, the atmosphere around the club, yeah, you know, it's very important for West Ham fans. I'm sure it's the case for all fans of all clubs. But we're we're so kind of obsessed with history and a sense of family Mm. at West Ham. I think you know these owners who often make the wrong decision right need to understand that mark noble needs to stay at the club yeah. in a yeah. significant role forever yeah.
0: yeah and i don't think mark will allow that any other the way you know he'll be <laughs> yeah. like yeah they'll be kicking and screaming him dragging him out if that happened but no yeah, yeah. exactly yeah nobes is yeah mister we- i mean he's our he's my my billy bonds really and because yeah. i was yeah, yeah. billy and you know he said he's a He's a one-man club and a great guy. But who's who's Mark going to partner in the middle then?
1: I'm going to stick him next to Ian Bishop. Oh, this was yeah. the toughest. This was the toughest uh, position for me to choose, probably, yeah. because there's so many central midfielders, and you think of the ones who were particular, like Scott Parker was one who I think again because of the circumstances in which he left, because he went to Spurs. People, but I mean, Jesus Christ, Scott Parker for about three or four seasons was unbelievable. Another player like we said about Julian Dix, who would take the game on his own. He played in some pretty shitty West Ham teams, right? But rather than let it get him down, he would just take the game, uh, you know, he'd take it on himself and just score goals and set up goals and make every tackle. And he was like, but anyway, let's not get into that. I didn't choose him um, because maybe it was the Tottenham move. I don't know. But however brilliant I remember him being, there's not that same emotional connection. But when I think of Ian Bishop and the team that got promoted in the early 90s, that had yeah. Bishop and Dix and Stuart Slater and Martin Allen, who was also very close to me choosing in this position. I loved Ian Bishop. He was such a classy player. He he uh, he was a proper old school playmaker. He stroked the ball around the pitch, made things happen. But on top of that, again, like I said earlier, he's up there with Martin Allen, John Monker. Ian Bishop. These are three, and Mark Noble later. These are players who kind of did the lot. They'd get yeah. stuck in. They'd throw challenges in that got the whole crowd off their seat cheering, right? But then they were capable of unbelievable, breathtaking skills as well, yeah. you know. But Ian Bishop, I I couldn't. I struggled between him, Martin Allen, and John Monco. I went for Bishop because it was a great era for West Ham. That it I was. think the yeah, early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Bishop lasted much later and carried on playing you know to, to in, in a later era as well um but i just loved him and i loved his unfashionable 1970s hairstyle yeah uh that he used to lash players with as he turned on the ball which was always great i think it was i think it was the brilliant fans in fortunes always hiding uh that did the um that used to do a cartoon in which it often said you know, Bishop turns, lashing the opposition player, <laughs> defender, with his unfashionable 70s hairstyle, right? But he really did. He'd yeah. turn the wood, do like a Cruyff turn, look one way, turn the other, and the hair got turn. so long yeah. and out of control, it would whip the other player, yeah. the defender, in in the face and disorientate them momentarily, <laughs> which was a great thing. Yeah. I loved Ian Bishop. He was another yeah. one I thought should have played for England.
0: Yeah, I love... Yeah, Bishop's a great shout. Uh, he, he randomly... You you know like they don't really do it very often now, but you know like kids' programs they used to do, like the pranks where yeah. you know I know not not no evidence or someone would turn up at the school and it would be like eh, you know and gun someone yeah. or something like that. Yeah, he yeah, did yeah. he did it at my school like my brother. Um, it was with uh. Do you remember Dave Benson Phillips? Yeah, yeah, he's a legend entertainment yeah. legend. Yeah, so he it was him. Uh, it was some school, I don't know how, how they got hold of my brother's thing, but he they came to the school and and they did a prank and they got the video of the classroom. Well, like, they did a prank
1: on all of you, no, no, my that, brother,
0: so they on your like, brother because yeah, he dived in. Bishop was down. his hero, yeah, he right. dived in. I don't think Bishop actually was officially his hero, but it was the one but the rest, that's who they, they could, could get. get, yeah, yeah. Although John, they only live around the road, but yeah, so Bish got like, piled in and uh, I always had that lasting memory of him. He's a lovely guy and he still, you know, he still like has any time for anyone, you know, and that's, that's what I love about that. Generation. Another Scouser, isn't yep. he?
1: Another, that's, a, that's another adopted West Ham Scouser. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird long tradition that there's yeah. some sort of connection it must be between, it might be saying between the, the
0: dockers and you know you know and the, maybe it's stuff. that yeah maybe yeah. but yeah you,
1: you can see parallels between sort of yeah. Eastern culture I suppose and Scouse culture in a way and uh you know because Cresswell's another one isn't it yeah.
0: yeah 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 and I, yeah Bishop's great he'll be on the channel soon we we'll get him on the channel soon so it's good um but yeah no I love Ian Bishop um and I love the fact that you know he's, he lives in America and he just like still has this massive scouse but he's got these tattoos and he looks like a rocker um, where does he live
1: where does he, know, he live in america some, like florida like, or something
0: something like that yeah 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 but he's always he's got he, he's what i love about that generation as you said the martin allens john monkers ian bishops they, yeah mm. trevor morley's they were just characters yeah. weren't they and yeah, yeah yeah you'd hear the stories of you know and obviously as in before social media of john Munkirk, you know, you know cut everyone's trousers off and paint his hair white you yeah, they're yeah they're just a bunch of lads yeah a bunch
1: of lads that everyone on the terraces related to
0: exactly yeah.
1: and even the way they played transmitted that yeah. because upton park was at its best when there was a bit of fizz and fire in the yes. stands yeah, yeah, yeah and when it got like that then we could often be the extra like you know we could be the difference between yeah, a point and three points yeah. right and we've seen that happen sometimes against you know the real giants and i think it was players like that they knew it and they knew how to almost manipulate us and whip us into that sort of frenzy right yeah in a way that i mean i don't want to sound xenophobic or anything this isn't that but i just think that you know Pay anderson
0: I think it's is, professionalism. Is, uh, I think or they, they, they Sebastian
1: seem... Haller. Yeah, they're never going to understand that side of West Ham. No, and I'm not even blaming them. Why should they? No. They come from a complete different country. They may have grown up barely knowing about West Ham. Why? Yeah. Why would they? We're not. We're not one of the most famous clubs uh, abroad. You know, no. not really, right? And you know, they don't know what it was like at Upton Park either. No. But Ian Bishop or or John Moncur or any of those other players you mentioned they would know that if there was a 50-50 ball and the performance had been a bit flat and the atmosphere in the stadium was a bit flat, it might even be worth them getting a yellow card because they knew that everyone would get up and it would basically motivate the whole stadium into action, which in turn would feed back to the team. And then it would start going around in a circle. And that is how it worked at West Ham. And those players seemed to be conductors of it. We needed players like that who just, we're in tune with the crowd, you know. Exactly,
0: exactly. I mean, you know, John John Moncur would always get the first yellow card, even if he was on the yeah. bench. You know, I remember like him like pulling down the shorts of a linesman when he was like a sub, and he was like mm-hmm. stuff you can't get yeah. away with that now. And yeah, he's, yeah. Like, He was mad absolutely man. brilliant, but yeah, he said absolutely mad man. But it's I think he's a, I think it's more almost like a professionalism, you know. Not they weren't professional. It's not saying they're not weren't professionals there, but it's sport is now at this uber level of professionalism. So it's almost like they can't show any personality. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's all about the performance. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. about their condition. Yeah, it's like when
1: you see te- it's like tennis tennis players, isn't it? You see tennis players yeah. who, who've always been quite dull because mm. they're machines, right? And I think ultimately, at an elite level, you do have to you have to leave everything else to the yeah. side. Right. You know, and your personality and everything else, it's not relevant. You just are a, a your performance machine you know, and that's how it is in elite sport now, but back then it wasn't elite. So perhaps the actual technique we saw wasn't ever as good, but the fun was much better.
0: Exactly, yeah. And, and, you know, I think you're right. I think with, you know, and also you're saying about, you know, people like Alvin Martin and this leadership, that's another trait I Mm. think you don't see very often. Occasionally you'll get a player who's, you know, you don't. I mean, John Terry was probably the last leading player you yeah. know, that we that, that yeah. England had. Yeah, or, you know, but you don't get that level of sort of leadership, and it's a very unusual trait it, that comes through. But anyway, um, who should we go up front then? Sam, who's your first striker? So let's start with Paolo Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: obviously, you know what what can be said about, and as i mean, been exactly. said, he was another player that I used to say, oh, he cared more than the fans. I I've reviewed that now a bit i watched back some old games with Paolo and he didn't have to play for himself, do you know what I mean? He did play for himself. It was all about him, right? So he was flawed in many ways. I used to think the passion and the shouting and the screaming and the going mad at the ref or walking off the pitch, I thought, that's because he cares so much about West Ham. Yeah. But part of me thinks, no, he cared about Paolo De and if things weren't going right for him then he would get furious, sort of thing. That said, I do think he had an amazing connection with the fans. We loved him, he loved us. I met him as well on TalkSport and it's one of my most prized ever photos. I've never been shy, I've never been cool (laughs) about having a photo (laughs) taken with a hero or a celebrity. Never been one of those guys who thought, oh, it's a bit uncool, it makes me look a bit of a fanboy and I'm working with them so I wanna act like, fuck that. I'm just like, let's get a photo, mate, I love you. And so I did that with De Canio. I got on well with him. But, yeah, I can't, I've lost count of the amount of golden moments. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't there that day for the legendary goal against Wimbledon.
0: Oh, funny. Which is
1: a real shame because I used to go to all the games in that era and I can't even remember the excuse because I wasn't abroad. <laughs> I remember hearing it on the radio and saying, oh, we've just seen the best goal ever. And then, you know, oh, shit, why didn't I go? Yeah. So I have to admit to that, but I was... If, if I have to pick a, 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 a probably a greatest moment, it was at Stamford Bridge, maybe in about two thousand and three, mm. possibly two thousand and four, and I think uh, Zola had scored a goal yeah. for them. We beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Zola had scored a a, a wildie for Chelsea, and Di sort of looked in. It was a case of hold my beer yeah,
0: because yeah, he yeah. thought,
1: yeah, all right, you've got a good Italian, but I'm going to show you how to do him better, and he he did that that. Where he sort of juggled the ball and then volleyed it in. And to be at Stamford, winning at Stamford Bridge is one of the best feelings you can have. Yeah. It's one of the best feelings. When West Ham turn up at Stamford Bridge, it's always really good fun. Yeah. Uh, Whether we win or lose, as it happens, it sort of seems to be in a way, ground where West Ham fans really always have a great day out, right? Yeah. But if you. If you've bloody beaten them as well and you've won it with your star man scoring a world class yeah. like piss take of a goal, and that to me just encapsulates all the things that were wonderful about Paolo Di Canio.
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I can't remember it. So that's, that's come up in conversation before that Chelsea game, and I think Ranieri in the press conference afterwards basically said there's no point let's talk about paulo Di canio or something like that. you know it was like it didn't yeah. take any quick because they'd lost yeah. um yeah but yeah no we've had some funny stories about that goal and people have missed it i think ian dale was stuck in the Blackwell tunnel um right when that go. i think benji Lagnado, his dad had his back to the back to the game when they saw it no one yeah. fucking saw it
1: so many it. people missed it i I'm, I'm you know people ask about that goal a lot and go oh yeah you must remember you must have been there and sometimes I'm embarrassed to say no because no. I think yeah. uh, it wasn't even an era where I can say I wasn't getting to West yeah, Ham. I was going yeah. to the game. and that day I remember being with my girlfriend, like out doing something that just wasn't important. So I can't yeah. remember what inspired me. But also, it was like West
0: It was it was like West Ham Wimbledon. It wasn't yeah. like a glam. So if you could, yeah, if you exactly. was looking at, you could probably miss that one thinking, yeah, it's gonna it might might scrape a win, but yeah.
1: I have to say, I look at it. And it's not my favourite goal anyway, of West Ham. There's no. other goals that, to me, had a bigger impact. But Trevor Sinclair's pass, to me,
0: exactly.
1: yeah. is actually not spoken about enough. I think that's the best bit of the goal. Yeah, I think that Di Canio, yeah, it's good. He jumps and does a scissors kick. It's a bit of a Di flourish. I think he could have kicked it in another way and still scored. Yeah. But he sort of did a, a, a little bit of fancy dannery, fine. Yeah. But Trevor Sinclair's goal uh, pass, what a pass. Yeah. And people should talk about that just as much.
0: Yeah, and it was—I think it was Freddie Canute's debut as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was. Yeah, oh. yeah. So he got overshadowed. He was, was, great great he, so he, was yeah, he
0: played well. Yeah. He played ball. Okay, who's going to play? He's going to partner with Paolo up front.
1: Well, it's got to go back to pretty much my all-time hero, Tony Cotty Yeah, because you know it's always your first love, isn't it? And I've had lots of different heroes, and if people ask me on show Julian Dix is my favourite West Ham player, but. Tony Cotty, when I first fell hook, line and sinker for West Ham, I already supported them. And, you know, yeah. I love people like Paul Allen and Trevor Brookham, when I was a little boy. But when I, my first game was in 1984 against Newcastle, and Cotti played in that game. And on the way to the ground, that's what I was excited about. I just wanted to see Tony Cotty. I couldn't believe I was going to be in the same... Space as Tony Cotty, a guy who I'd seen pictures of in the newspaper and I'd seen on TV, but I was actually going to be able to see him in the flesh. Yeah, it blew my mind. And I think as a kid, it just goes about to that thing. He seemed like a kid, he's yeah. this like yeah, yeah, yeah. blonde haired 17 year old kid who's got the chance to play for the club he supports mm. and then becomes their star striker. And I just loved it. And you know, so throughout primary school, I loved Tony Cotty. And then I remember at second school, I even had pictures of, like, you know, you have to cover your own books. Yeah, and I'd cover yeah. My books yeah. your books with pictures of Tony Cotty. And when he left to Everton, I was sort of gutted, but at the same time, I was pr- I was gutted as a West Ham fan, but I had such a connection with Tony Cotty. Proud I was proud that yeah, Tony yeah, Cotty yeah. had gone on to a yeah. club who, at the time, were a big club, who were yeah. challenging for the title. And I think he became briefly the most expensive player in Britain. Yeah, so, football.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Right. And um and then when he came back, which I always deep down knew he would, I was delighted again and he was brilliant again. And yeah. so, you know, Tony Cotty is just the 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 guy who helped me fall in love with West Ham.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, he didn't score that many classics really, did he? He was a no. right poacher, Tony Cotty, Fox in the box, But yeah. who ca- who cares? I mean Exactly.
0: Exactly. And he's just a great man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's still like, you know, he obviously, he loves the club, and you know, yeah. and, and and again, you know, even you know, even you know, obviously, he was at you know, Everton and Leicester, but you mm. still know he's a West Ham, he's a West Ham boy, it And it's like, there's yeah. no happened, he was a still West Ham boy, and that's all yeah, yeah, and yeah. that frames up the team nice because you've got like the the poacher, you've got sort of the, the fox in the box, haven't you? So, you know, Paolo would be Paolo, he wouldn't necessarily be a, a target man or anything, but uh, mm. him and Pierre.
1: Him and Pike in the same team. Oof. I mean, yeah, it would be it would be difficult for the opposition to handle. And I like to think that there'd be enough like steel in Bishop and Noble. Yeah. You know, who could sit deep, spray the ball from the bat, nice. but you know, be there as a nice shield in front of in front of the defence. I, I reckon this this team is interesting though. If you were if you were to pick the best team, yeah. like yeah, the yeah, team the, that yeah. you know. You would probably have considered a lot of those lads who came through Tony Carr's academy, yes, like yeah, of Frank and Rio and Joe Cole and Michael Carrick,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and you'd also have thought more about Abin Allen, Devonshire in there and yep. stuff like that. But, but um for this me, is your I just 11. preferred. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is my favourite eleven. Brilliant. Thank you. Exactly. I'll be turning it over again and again and again in my head forever. But I think I've done all right. I no, think great. I've chosen one that I can live great. with.
0: Yeah. And as I said, yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. It's your eleven, eh? and, and yeah, and that's the thing. These guys meant something to you, and clearly each one had an impact. Mm. And that's and that's what it, and that's yeah. what it's all about. For it is an entertainment you know, game, and yeah, it's a sport. But yeah. we pay to get the same. As you said, at West Ham fans, we don't necessarily like. Well, as you say that, we might, we might like a mid-table, you know, mid-table obscurity season. Yeah, but. But would something. It'd that always hole, be something. Yeah, always be something. Aren't they? yeah. and mm. uh, and so you know, but you know, as Tony Gale was saying, you know, during his his time, there was never a dull season. We might be mid-table that week, but we'd have a cup run, or mm. we'd be teaching at relegation, and you know, there's always something going on. That's not West Ham yeah. right. We like players where, I mean, something's going on. You don't know what's going to happen. It could be a yeah, quiet yeah. turn. It could be a Decanio Yeah, and,
1: Exactly, and th- there has been the odd season. Yeah. where we have accidentally fallen into uh, a mid-table team, mm-hmm. right? And I can live without them. I mean, to be honest, I look at the Kirbishly era, Kirbishly good guy, but we, you know, for a brief period, we had quite a lot of money and we went out and bought some really big name players mm-hmm. and really like rolled the dice. But it really, it got us as far as finishing mid-table and that era, there were some great players like Craig Bellamy or, or what have you, but you just don't really remember it. No. The Redknapp years, some people uh, don't like Harry Redknapp. I love them. There was my favourite favourite yeah, period. The, yeah. two, the two periods that are probably happiest for me were most of Harry Redknapp's era and most of Alan Pardew's era. Yeah, yeah, and I think both yeah. those managers had quite a lot in common in that they were big characters, you know, and they sort of generated an atmosphere around the club Of non-stop excitement and you know and dreaming and they weren't pragmatic and you know you look at Pellegrini I can see why the club hired him but you just think he's not a West Ham sort of a bloke no he's understated we don't want that no do you know what I mean we don't want understated we want you know an Alan Pardew (laughs) big-time Charlie walking up in a bloody Ferrari Ferrari or having a a fight fight with Arsene Wenger Harry Redknapp just being bananas and making all these mad sign-ins and, you know, always going at it against the bigger teams and thinking the most important thing, no matter what, even if we're in a relegation scrap and a point would be a great result, I want us to go out and try and beat
0: them 3-0. That's West Ham, that's the
1: sort of manager we should always look for.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. As you said we that it's that it's that sort of passion on the side of the yeah. side of the touchline, isn't it? I don't we didn't yeah. really get that with Pellegrini. Um and I think no. we with, with, with Moyes, we get it with Nolan. You can see Nolan really has like this. Yeah. His, yeah. And he's really gets seems to have it's a, great, a Great appointment, Brilliant. Nolan, Brilliant.
1: wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So I think
0: he was probably after Nolan. he was one of one of our greatest in my eye as a captain. He was like he yeah. embodied. He was captain. a
1: superb captain, yeah. yeah. Really smart. Shrewd signing, really, wasn't mm, it? It was.
0: Although you know, come come Christmas, you know he'd he'd get a yellow and get be suspended yeah. over Christmas. But yeah. I, I
1: respect him for that as well. Yeah, mate. no, I do I as well. Yeah. I totally he was. I, yeah. I, I want to be with my family at Christmas too, mate.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well done, done. Sam's yeah. been absolutely brilliant. A bit longer than our usual half hour, but I don't care. It's been great. I absolutely love chatting right. to you. And uh, right. and obviously, thank you to everyone else for for watching. Obviously, share, like, subscribe. You know what to do. And until next time, guys, stay safe and take care, everyone. Bye bye.